Matter 1.2 is a big move for the smart home standard. Have we fully figured out as an industry on our side how to use Matter at all? No. Uh, <laughs> no. 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 Yes. I mean, I mean no. No. On this episode of Resi Week, we talk Matter 1.2 securing IoT, and AI in AV. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. This is Resi Week, episode 403, Ambient Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matty Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Jeremy Glowacki. He's the executive editor of Residential Tech Today. How you doing, Jeremy? Doing well, Matt. Um, we were warned not to talk about Halloween because it will be over by the time we record this, but we were warned. getting excited about Halloween, you know? Really? When you can avoid the children ringing your doorbell. Are you dressing up? I dressed up the other night. Um, I might have been Ken from <laughs> uh, the Barbie movie. Why have we not seen pictures of this? Could have been a uh, Chippendales dancer also, if you wanted to look at the costume that way, because it was a little borderline, but... Uh, I have so many questions that we do not want the answers to. All right. No, we don't. Uh, <laughs> then we have Brittany, <laughs> Brittany DeCessory. She is a client success manager over at Control Concepts. How are you doing, Brittany? I'm doing great and uh, loathing Halloween in the exact opposite feeling of Jeremy. <laughs> I like this. I was just trying to be positive. Actually, I loathe it too. I absolutely hate <laughs> Halloween, so this is fantastic. I, there's nothing I, I love more than when it's over. Yep. It's ridiculous. All right. Um, and when you listen to this, it will be over. So yeah, we'll all be happy. And moving into Thanksgiving. Unless you're That's in. my favorite holiday. See, it's my wife's too. She's a she's a huge Thanksgiving fan. There's no expectations, it's just you're together and you eat. Like great. And watch football. It's great. Don't, don't you have two Thanksgivings? I do. Yep. It's it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. All right. Let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from The Verge. Matter 1.2 is a big move for the smart home standard. Uh, after a year in, Matter continues to add support for a variety of things, including fridges, robot vacuums, smoke alarms, et cetera, et cetera. And it is a major step forward to the complete, and I'm going to add quotes here, smart home. <laughs> uh, read through the article. It does do a very good uh, kind of overview of where matter is right now, as well as uh, where it's going with the new 1.2 spec that just came out uh, this week, about a year after the initial launch, um, which is kind of cool to see. As always, this will hinge on manufacturer and device support, which is, uh, again, seems to be a fairly good investment at this point. Jeremy, <clears throat> Have we fully figured out as an industry on our side? Have we figured out how to use matter at all? No. Uh, <laughs> to, quick, just brief, <laughs> quick answer. I don't think so. I don't think a lot of people in our industry really are following matter that closely. And I think um, it's not even a wait and see. It's just, it's not relevant yet. Um, and I think that we're obviously <laughs> finding out that you know, it's getting further along in its capabilities in big appliances, but this is just um, a spec. It's not actually in these products yet. Mm -hmm. And even if it 
were starting to find its way into some of these washers and dryers and fridges and things that are in their, their little picture here, um, there would be, um, you know, you would have to have that whole family of products new and improved in your home for these things to talk to each other. It's great for the future, I think, down the road for those who want connected um, appliances, um, a quote-unquote smart home that aren't looking to hire a professional integrator necessarily. Having these things eventually, not, not next year, not the year after that, several years down the road, I think, when all these appliances are upgraded, um, there's some stuff that could happen here. Um, there's use cases that are very well covered in this article. I think it's a really great article. It mm -hmm. covers like all the possibilities, but then sort of says, let's back up and say, this is not real yet. Yeah. Um, down the road, we'll see some of this stuff. But our industry, um, this you know, integration is what our industry does. We don't need matter to make that happen on a lot of it. Now, a lot of these appliances, maybe we're not connecting, but we maybe don't need to. Um, I have a, a, a new washer, a, a new washer that tells me when it's done um, or it needs a maintenance update of some sort or a cleaning cycle. And I find that really useful. It's one app. It's one little feature. I don't necessarily need that integrated into a whole smart home scenario. Um, and that's kind of what she's talking about here. You don't want that on every touchpad in your house? On No, I don't. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Jeremy, your laundry's done. Right, right. I just... I. I mean, so many of us, our touchpad is our smartphone. And mm -hmm. as long as my phone tells me, you know, the little warning, something is done, needs to be serviced, whatever, that's all I really need. I don't need an alert on everything. Now, if you're talking about security, safety kind of stuff, maybe you would want to see that um, throughout. But, I mean, we can get into what some of these use cases are. And, and there are some good ones that are sort of safety, life safety kind of, mm -hmm. you know, integrations, which could work down the road, turning off ventilation and that sort of thing, or running it differently. Um, so there's, there's possibilities here. I just don't think our industry is really that aware of matter yet. That's a good point. Brittany, is there an integration push for this yet? Or is it still just a connection? Cause, cause that's what it seems to be to me. And like one of the things that they hit on is, you know, you'll finally be able to control your robot vacuum in yeah. the Apple home app, which I have and accidentally opened the other day and went, oh yeah, I got three out of, you know, 47 lights that are mm -hmm. connected to my Apple home app. That's, that's useless. Um, but connected is one thing integrated is a whole other thing. I, yeah. Is that the, is that the divide right now? Well, yeah, I think you're looking at, you know, you might be able to make that initial connection, but if I can only do two of the 30 functions that the device does within that, it what good is it? Um, and I, it's something we hear a lot um, in my company as software developers is you have to be able to fit within those ecosystems templates. And sometimes you have to get um, a little creative in what that functionality means for your device versus the control platform. And so with this, it's all well and good that you can connect certain devices. But if I am limited in my abilities within that connection to do things, if I still have to go to that outside app or outside browser to be able to set the map 
for my vacuum if, to be able to do functions two through 30. What it's, it's not useful to me anymore. Um, and it's something that we get asked a lot is I want to be able to have my device completely controlled. Great. You have the API for that. Unfortunately, the platform's not necessarily set up to support all of those functions. Here's what we can do. And I, th I think that's what we're seeing here with some of the devices. The rest of them, you know, I think coming down the roads with, with these um, updates that are planned, I think you'll start to see a lot more functionality added in. Um, but until you're seeing that robust functionality for the device, I'm not sure that it's, it's an A plus in my book. This, this stuff just always reminds me of... Sonos, which I'm just going to use as an example, where it works so well natively. And then every time it's skinned and thrown into most automation platforms, it's like, yeah, you can trigger a playlist and you can hit a room and maybe join something. And it becomes that whole, mm -hmm. yeah, but if I open the Sonos app, I can just control everything. Like, yeah, yeah, you can. Right. But, you know, yep. it's, it's great because it's all integrated and it's all on one app. All right, let's leave that one there for a second. Move on to our next story. This comes to us from CE Pro securing IoT, shaping the future of digital security. <coughs> uh, go read through the article. It covers some really good things as far as where IoT is today, including the challenge of vulnerabilities and trust issues, the knowledge gap that's that's still there, and then the whole aspect of IoT security. And to throw back to our, our, our last article, um, how Matter is, is kind of helping with that a little bit. Brittany, I want to start with you on this. Mm -hmm. kind, of, kind of to the same conversation we just had, are we ready as an industry for IT or is IT not ready for us yet? Are, are, are we still in this arm's length relationship with IoT devices? I think we are. Um in, in my opinion, um, let's be honest, <laughs> the last thing anyone wants to be is inconvenienced. And if in order to make these devices secure, you're, it's going to involve some inconvenience on the consumer. Um, and our homes are really, you could have all the secure devices you want in your home, but it's only as secure as <laughs> the weakest link. And how many people have actually changed the default password on their router? Very few. Um, and I think when we're talking about devices, you want to make them as simple as possible for the consumer. You want you want to make it simple in the home. But if my grandmother can plug it in and make it work, I doubt it's the most secure thing. Um, and if it's the most secure thing, she's going to need a whole lot of help to be able to get it working in our home. So I think it's this give and take and we none of us want to be inconvenienced. And I don't want to have to remember 50 different passwords that are so out there and so strong that I can never even think about what it was in the first place. And I'm not going to keep a written log of all my passwords. So I, there's, there's a whole long way we need to go uh, in terms of, of all of this on the, on the residential side. And um, my husband's a security integrator and he has begged and begged me to put, um, to put smart locks on our house. And I'm like, no, I don't want that vulnerability in our home. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, there are certain things for me where I feel secure in, and I'm, I'm okay with the security levels we've set in terms of our, um, our internet safety and security. And then there are other concessions I'm not willing to make. Um, as a homeowner. And so I think we just have to figure out where that sweet spot is. And I don't think we figured that out yet. But all I know is 
no one really wants to be inconvenienced. So if you're going to make it difficult, people aren't going to do it. That's a really good point. Jeremy, is matter potential, like does the potential of matter sit to ease the majority of these concerns? It has potential to be significantly more secure as long as that's all enabled. Um, Heck, it's overseen by uh, the Connectivity Standards Alliance, which is, again, supposed to um, bolster that security aspect. Or is it back to the same thing of, you know, as Brittany said, it can be as secure as you want and an integrator can put it in and make it secure. And then the homeowner can order, you know, some thing off Amazon or, you know, their local hardware store and just throw your security profile out the window. I would like to, to hope that the companies that are involved in Matter um, have a, are taking their time here and making sure that the spec is sound and that there are security um, features that go above and beyond what we're used to in other IoT products. But I think it's indicative of the kind of delicate nature of it that cameras and security systems still aren't part of the Matter ecosystem yet Mm -hmm. so clearly they've realized like this is our a A one number one uh security issue literally it's a security system but cameras you know you can't have those vulnerable that's like the one thing that if that got hacked you could have some major problems with so either they're just taking their time with that or they realize that it's not ready for prime time in general like it's not not easy to secure um, I don't know what, what the scenario is there, but it, it is telling to me that those aren't in there. Um, I, I agree that like, you know, the goal here is to make this, you know, so simple for the homeowner because otherwise they're going to hire someone to do it for them. Um, and I loved in that previous article, the, the terminology ambient smart home as the goal. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard that before. And that's where devices can talk to each other to take action on our behalf without us really having to get involved. And so I think for a lot of consumers who do appreciate tech and want to work with it, that's that's the ultimate goal is just to have it like a home that anticipates things for you. Um, and this other article, the C Pro article, he makes the point that the difficulty of a lot of the IoT is that you don't know even where to go to make adjustments to the security features. You mm-hmm. you don't have that interface that's obvious, mm-hmm. you know, that you might have on your phone or, you know, your computer. Um, some devices, I mean, it's not easy. And most people don't have the patience to go through that to make changes. So right. that's where the vulnerability comes from. Um, but, you know, home, end user homeowners are part of the equation, but you've got big corporations that are now getting, you know, I, I was at a couple of buying group meetings and I was told sort of privately that not with a lot of detail that a couple of manufacturers in our industry have been hacked and like major de- outage kind of things. That's all I learned. I didn't get any details. Oh, I, I have some. <laughs> so it's a well-kept secret. Um, but so, I mean, these, these are like phishing types of situations or, mm-hmm. Um, where, where it just takes one person looking like an authentic purchase order or something, giving information they shouldn't, and then all of a sudden your system's locked up and you got to pay a ransom, you know? So, um, 
a lot of it's human element stuff and not just passwords, but just making, you know, something that looks like an authentic thing and it just, it, it comes back to bite you. So anyway, I, I, I just think there's a lot that goes into it and mm -hmm. the, the goal of it being simple is also going to get in the way of it maybe being safe. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, let's leave that conversation for a moment. Uh, this comes to us from Residential Tech Today and Jeremy Glowacki, who's also a guest. Um, the HTSA conference addresses AI and industry unity opportunities. <laughs> Go read through the article. Um, there's a couple of really interesting points in here uh, before we jump into the AI side of it. First, um, HTSA reported that their member companies, which is just over a hundred integration firms, uh, were flat in their purchases, uh, last year, year over year. Um, mainly that they're alluding to is because of, uh, some, some inventory on hand, as well as the fact that there were still some supply issues. Uh, lighting is still leading the way for a lot of integrators and they're doing a lot to try and get out in front and you know, really continue to help the general public understand what it is that we do, which is really, really cool. But what I want to dig into is they had, uh, I believe, four panels on AI and um, integration firms, including bringing in uh, Isa Meritus from um, MI Square Consulting, who also taught at CDA Expo in the, or was on the panel for the, the AI symposium over at Expo, talking about a bunch of different ways that uh, you can use AI in your business from um, tailoring some marketing for, you know, individual clients or, or uh, client segments, as well as using a lot of the language learning models to analyze and research sale performance, sales calls, customer feedback data, et cetera. Um, Jeremy, I want to, I want to start with you and I'm, I am going to do everything possible to be positive on this, which is I'm going to fail at, um, but I'm going to try <laughs> to at least start there. It, I love this as a concept. I question how many integration firms have the bandwidth to do anything more than dilly dally in AI, because I know for a fact that we're using it in a couple of the different projects that I have going on and my companies have going on. And it is a full-time investment to get someone to learn how to use the models, which are constantly evolving and then figuring out how to actually interpret whether the data is accurate and usable. I, I, I question whether integration firms really have the bandwidth to leverage this again, more than just kind of flirt with it. Yeah. I, I think one of the, this, the first steps that was mentioned in multiple sessions that I've attended about AI and also, uh, Isar Maitis, he's the podcast host for this, um, this really mm -hmm. in-depth was a genius. Yeah. Is, yeah. Leveraging AI is this podcast. If anyone wants to check it out and I, I listen to it, but I like have taken small chunks cause it's just like too much, you know, but it's to your point, it's a lot to learn. And his, his big point, uh, and all, a lot of his guests often say this, if you're a company, no matter what size is to create, um, 
a group of leaders, like a small committee within your company. And if you're a company of five, that's going to be difficult. It may be the owner and the general manager, whatever. But if you're a company of more than that, to have a handful of people together that have different interests in the company and they have they give each other assignments of what are you following in this area and you're just learning and helping to try to come up with a, you know, best practices. Um, and it's also about just taking small bites, not trying to learn it all at once. Really, you know, you, you do, a, you play around with maybe some of the um, analytical tools that are out there for building, you know, analysis of your of your statistics, your your sales numbers or your client comments, you know, um, if you're dealing with it on the marketing side, uh, use some of the art tools to create graphics that you can put on your website to better present yourself. Um, there's redesign tools for websites and things that just simplify the process, you know, of, of doing some of the things that guys just don't have time to do. Um, yeah, there's a lot and it is easy to be sort of cynical about, well, yeah, this is going to get out of hand, but it's still very early in the whole AI process. Yes, we've all been using AI and don't even kind of think about it because it's been all about chat GPT in the past year. Chat GPT elevated the conversation, this large language model kind of concept, but um, AI has been in our lives in a lot of different ways for a long time. And now it's just figuring out a way to use it to make your company more efficient, take some of the maybe back office stuff that you don't have time for and, and streamline it. Um, I hear you though, they're, they're, it's easy to sort of say, um, these small companies in the CI industry, um, as good as they are with tech, don't always know how to use these tools to run a business as they should. Um, you can go back to D tools in the early days and people just say, I don't have time to learn how to use it. And then <laughs> you know, missing out on opportunities, but this is, this is something that's not going to go away and it has to be addressed. So um, the best thing to do is just to start, you know, to get a chat GPT account, start using it, start learning things, get these lists of different um, software opportunities and start playing with things and, and seeing where they fit into your business. All right, Brittany, I remember because I've been around longer than I'd like to think about anymore. Um, <laughs> I remember having essentially the same conversation around social media and dealers would, would sit on a panel that either I was on participating in or sitting in with as well. And someone would be up talking about how you can use social media to market your business, to grow your business, blah, 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 blah. And the, ver the majority of integrators, the majority of dealers would kind of walk out going, yeah, I don't have time for this. I'm not investing time into this. I don't care. I'm going to hire a kid to do it. Blah, 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 blah. I feel that this is kind of the same thing where if you just kind of play with it, right? You, you, you learn on it. You, you, you scroll through TikTok learning about AI for, a, you know, an hour once a, you know, one night a week that you're not going to get anywhere. This mm -hmm. is one of those things where, um, one of my companies is using this from the video production side. And when we're, as long as we're fully invested in it, it's phenomenal. But if we just try to do it kind of here and there, it's a waste of time. Is that what this approach is going to be? Is this going to have to be an all in approach? 
I think so. Um, you know, it's like Jeremy was saying, this is, this is massive. This is more than just chat GPT. Like everyone's been talking about mm -hmm. this year. It's this whole thing is huge and social media is huge and social media is constantly changing too. Um, and so it's one of those things where if you're not living in it, if you're not always in it, you're always going to be behind and you're never really going to be able to stay um, up to date on it. And I think there are so many unknowns to all of it as well that are keeping small businesses from using it and from starting to explore it. It's, it's great when you're saying, oh, uh, I can get a template for a press release or I can get a template for posts, social media posts for the next 30 days based off of the focus I have for this month. But when you're talking about really using AI from a sales strategy and a business strategy, that is, I think, quite an undertaking. And I think it's it's going to involve um, huge investments of time that not every small business is able to really take that investment in. Um, and a lot of times, I mean, we just talked about how people are saying it's been pretty much flat from last year to this year, or even a, a decline in, in income and sales. And I think if I'm thinking about that as, as a business owner, I don't have the time to invest in AI. I need to invest in getting more sales and I need to invest in getting more money in the door. Um, and my learning of AI or my learning of a new tool is going to go by the wayside because I've got an immediate need um, that I have to focus on. So I think it's going to be us continuing to explore it, continuing to get these um these tools and these trainings on it, on how we can utilize this, continuing to see people who are utilizing it um, being those examples for us to to be able to learn from. But I, it's definitely not something I foresee uh, a lot of businesses ready to invest in yet. Yeah, that's a very good point. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's leave it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Brittany, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Control Concepts, where can they do that? Um, you can learn more about Control Concepts at controlconcepts.net, and you can reach me on social at Britt Dice. Excellent. Thank you, ma'am. Jeremy, my friend, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Residential Tech Today, hear your podcast. Where can they do that? You can go to restechtoday.com uh, to learn more about Residential Tech Today and uh, check out the, the podcast as well. And um, if anybody wants to find me on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm there as well and uh, trying to connect with the industry and the community. Excellent. Thank you both again for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on uh, Twitter or X or, or whatever at Matt D. Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Aaron Marmoran of EdTech. The world of higher ed AV is growing rapidly. That's why each month we hear from the best and brightest from colleges and universities all over the U.S. Check out EdTech on avnation.tv or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.